Welcome to Feel the News and Friends uh, Live. I'm super excited to have you all here. Feel the News and Friends is a comedy news hour where I tell people about pieces of news and then I bring my friends on and ask them how people should feel about those pieces of news. I'm super excited about our guest today. We've got comedians Sharia Mattis. Uh, we've got a very special guest, uh, Luke Ass. We've got Ophira Eisenberg. And then we also have IGD News and uh, Laurel, who is a very, very funny and fun TikToker who I have never met in person, but I met today and I'm really excited for that hard to come here and tell you about the news. Okay, let's get started with the news. So the first piece of news that I want to talk about is Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York City, or as I like to call him, Crypto Cop. So Eric Adams has started his term off by letting us know he will be even worse than what we would have imagined a cop mayor would be. On his first week in his office, Eric, surrounded by a press crew while waiting on the subway, called the cops on two people who were fighting. So yes, Eric Adams is not Crypto Cop. He is Snitch Crypto Cop. Anyway, if this is any indicator of how Eric Adams plans to solve problems in New York City, we're in for a long ride, people. And I'm not talking about delays on the G train. If you don't live in New York City, the G train is that train that comes whenever it wants to. It really doesn't have a schedule. And it never wants to come whenever you want it to come. The long ride I'm talking about is Eric Adams using the police to further oppress and harass Black people instead of actually investing in social services that will improve people's lives. If you thought Eric Adams was bad enough, a further indication of how bad he's going to be is that he has nominated Keechan Powell as police commissioner. Keechan is so tough on crime that she thinks that the Manhattan DA is being too nice by not locking up people who jump over turnstiles because they can't afford to pay for the subway, which is honestly just like really rude because you have to be really athletic to hop over a turnstile. I can't hop. I try to crawl because that's really hard. So Eric Adams already just decided that he's going to be a bad person, loves the cops. And the best part about him is that he's taking cues from Trump because he's also appointed his brother to be the deputy police commissioner. And he's adopted. He's also a nominated a corrupt friend, Philip Banks, to be top public safety position. This is not Uncle Phil. This is not the nice Phil. This is a, not a good Phil. So he's got nepotism. He loves the police and corruption. Maybe Eric Adams is planning on running for president of the United States of America. Who knows? All I have to say is that this is really not surprising because this is exactly what I would expect from a snitch crypto cop. Here to help me tell you how you should feel about this news is Sharia Mattis, a New York comedian, stand-up comedian and writer. Sharia, thank you so much for joining me here today. Hello. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I'm I got excited to, for you to be here. <laughs> I got you the same way uh, Eric Adams is going to fill his cabinet. Just pure cronyism and nepotism. I love it. I, I, <laughs> I love I love it for him. But before we get your feelings about Eric Adams being the crypto cop that none of us asked for nor deserves. I mean, some people did ask for him because they voted for him, which is like, who are these people? Ooh, anyway, so I just want to ask you some questions uh, to let so people can get a better understanding of what your political stance is so that they know whether they can trust your feelings about the news. So in order to figure out what you stand politically, Sharia, I have two questions for you. And the first question is, who would you prefer to be mayor of New York City, Eric Adams or Batman? Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, they're both corrupt billionaires. <laughs> they're both. <laughs> who, use, who, who like to work with the cops 
Ah, don't forget that. Who both, yeah, who both work with the cops uh, and don't fix poverty. I guess, you know what? I, I figure overthrow the government, but but no, 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 no. <laughs> I like overthrow the government. That's a good solution instead of okay, having yeah, Batman or Eric Adams as a choice. Yeah, I feel like that's a good option. Um, and maybe Eric Adams should just wear a bad suit. That'll make him better. But I like your answer. Overthrow the government is great. This is a comedy show, FBI. Don't come here looking for us or trying to come for us. We're stand-up totally comedians. We make jokes. That's what we do. I'm we kidding. don't really I mean love it. The government. I love yeah, the we government. Lo we, don't, we don't actually mean you should overthrow the government. I mean, unless you want to, but we didn't tell you to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't come to my door. <laughs> don't come to our door. Do not take political advice from stand-up comedians. <laughs> Up next, uh, when was the last time you called the cops on someone and why? Um, I actually, I like to call the cops on a black person at least once a day. It, it, it makes me feel powerful. It, I, I, I prefer to do that, honestly. I, I saw a, a single black mother carrying groceries and she dropped some and I called the cops on her for littering and they took care littering of her. Littering is bad. It's bad. Now, see, when you call the cops on black people, do you use like a white voice, like so that like they know that it's a white lady who's scared, or are we just like using like Sharia voice? No, no, no. We can't just use my voice. We want them to come. Like we can't if we, they, they're not gonna come if I'm just like, hey, I got Eric Adams. They're not, and you're like, oh my gosh, somebody just dropped a carrot, and I'm like, I am a frightened Caucasian woman, and I demand the police, and they come like that. It's amazing. What was that like? The Queen's voice. I demand the police call, uh, come and harass this poor woman with her groceries. Uh, <laughs> that was my British accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish we, I do feel like your political views are kind of sus because you're calling the cops on black women. But the fact that you said that maybe people should overthrow the government makes me feel like people can potentially trust you. We can overlook the calling the cops on black people because everybody else does. Okay. So <laughs> if, if, if I let the white people call the cops on black people all the time, isn't that worse? Isn't Martin yeah. Luther King's dream for me to utilize the police to abuse black people? Equal opportunity, equality <laughs> for all. I mean, that's what he would have wanted for all that of us. <laughs> so, I mean, the way you flip that, I will say that I feel like people can trust you more. Now, you're just trying to be our ancestors' wildest dreams. You just right. want to... Yeah, I love that for you. So I, now that I have, I feel like I've decided that people can trust your political views, I'm going to go into your question, the questions about your feelings about what Eric Adams has done, which includes, you know, calling the cops on two people who were fighting, appointing um, his brother as like uh, <laughs> one of his people to protect him because of hate crimes, apparently, is why he said that he did that. And also like nominating somebody to police commissioner, Kinchent, who... Apparently, the first black, not not the first black person, the first woman to take that post, um, but is aggressively anti-human. Um, so, <laughs> I just like want to get your feelings about Eric Adams' uh, 
you know, mayorship so far, what he's doing, his moves, how you feel about them. He is killing it. If by killing it, you mean he is destroying any political... Actually, I'm, I'm lying. He is terrible, but no one cares. I don't think people care. And then also, didn't he have... He, he hired some, like, corrupt police commissioner or something Yeah, like that's that. the Banks guy. That's the Uncle that's Phil. The, I mean, not Uncle, Uncle Phil, Phil, but, like, Phil Philip Banks. The, the third. He's the third Philip Banks, um, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> and man, it was involved in a in an FBI, like he was like, he was like, that's insane. It's just he's killing it. He is doing everything. He is shitting on low-skilled workers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know the whole low-skilled, I did not include that here, but the whole low-skilled worker thing is extremely upsetting because I was a server for years. I quit my service job because it was too hard to work at Banana Republic, which then I quit to become a product manager for corporate America. Do you understand that? It was much easier and I got paid a lot more to sit around and do nothing. I don't think anybody who works at that job could hack it on a server for one day or even not like half a day. Not even like, like I'm like, I'm talking like not even like the easiest server days. Like I, I was a server. I, I, now I got like a real job recently, but like, don't but, say real, you mean the, no, don't say real job. Don't use that word. Being a server is a real, see that's No, it's not. Too. Being a server is slave labor. <laughs> 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 Let's stop fucking bullshitting. Like being a server isn't just like, the, it's just. It's just extra hard on your body and brain and self-esteem. It's not a job. It is a punishment for being poor. It is a punishment. Can I tell you something that happened to me one time as a server? I was carrying a tray of food. Wait, never mind. Back up. I had a table of six. Very excited. Could be potentially be a really good tip. You know, we don't have money. Brought them their beers. Beers spilled all over the table, right? Setting up the scene. Come back with a plate of their food. Flipped slipped on the floor all my food went up crashing and i fell on my back and you know what they did they were like we're gonna be nice and not you make not make you pay for these plates not even like are you alive did you get a concussion these are the types of people that eric adams is like shitting on yes 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 and also the types of people who like was that your manager who said we're gonna be nice and not yeah, yeah, yeah play for the, manager. the managers and the uh, restaurant owners are absolutely the worst humans alive i have i have been like i i have had i feel like i've definitely had harriet tubman her ghost kind of like appeared to me as one of my white managers was screaming. Save you, like face. try to save you. It's like, bitch, I'm here to slave like, you. Save you from slavery. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. Like that as the way, and they're absolutely corrupt because they're not paying you. The customers are paying you. They're barely paying you, the, the owners. They're just stealing your wages and are, Listen, the things, the revenge that I will have on the restaurant owners who treated me badly when I ever come into power. <laughs> oh so you're like going to be like an evil autocrat? Oh, wow. Sharia, I love this. All of my, you know what I, you know what I say? I say that uh, serving is not a real job. It is a villain origin story. Okay. Ah, oh, my God. Yes. It I is mean, a villain origin story. I have a shit list of customers and managers and people who just pass by. There's like of people who I will fuck up as soon as I get rich. As soon as I get 
rich as enough. As soon as you have that money like, crashing money, you'll just like, come and smash them with your wallet. Just that's right. I can't wait. One of them. Find them at their jobs, buy the restaurant, fire them, and just like leave it open. Like not even, anyway, back to Eric Adams. Eric Adams oh, is bad. We don't like him. Um, and I, the thing that worries me about the most is that didn't he take a picture with Bloomberg? And they were like, they were like hanging out like besties. And I think he also, like, he's a fan of Stop and Frisk. He's bringing back Solitary to Rikers. This man is a white man's dream come true. Like I, you know, if he did all this stuff and he was a white dude, they were like, that's racist. But because he's a black guy, they're like, it's just Eric. You know, Eric, Eric Adams's family crest is the the term is all kinfolk. All skin folk and skin folk. That yeah. is his. That is that's how he fucking ran, and that's how he won. He is an absolute race traitor, and and I'll say it. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. You I'll can say it here because he's he's a traitor, and all means he and Lori Lightfoot belong in the same club. They're chilling, they're drinking, and fucking all of us over, and we do not like them one bit. Oh, Lori Lightfoot! Oh God, Lori Lightfoot! She is the toxic stud that every every lesbian has to like. That's the big boss toxic stud that every lesbian has to go through before she finds the one. That is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> She's absolute trash. Oh, it's so sad. It's really, really, really sad. It, it is it, sad. I feel like it's like just like neocolonialism. They pick this black basis to do the white man's work and they're like, it's fine. Okay, it's fine. You're happy now. They're black, right? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. And they do that because the white uh like liberals who the white progressives that are out here fighting, they're going to shut their mouth if you're instituting like white supremacist capitalist policies uh, with a black face. They're going to shut up. They're going to shut up. And nobody, nobody ever listened to black folks. So it's the perfect way to do it. It's perfect. Like they found it. They found little, Eric Adams is is little chocolate dipped Reagan. Like a little <laughs> You know what, Sharia? I don't think we're going to top that, so I'm going to leave that right there. You heard it here first. Eric Adams is chocolate-dipped Reagan. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us, Sharia. You're the very best. Uh, We're going to move on to our next piece of news, uh, which is Biden is being Biden all over again. Oh, I hate saying this man's name. Every single time his name comes up in the news, he's done something messed up. Anyway, Biden, or as I I like to call him, the ghost of white supremacist past, has nominated a big pharma BFF, which means best friends forever, if you're not, you know, born in the 80s, Robert Califf to be the commissioner of the FDA. The Republicans and anyone who wants to poison your food and medicine are really excited about this nomination because Robert Califf, has done a lot of great things for Big Pharma, but I think one of his greatest hits is including <clears throat> includes like working for pharmaceutical and medical device companies to work on a bill that expedites approval for their medicine. Yes, corporations do write all the laws. Sorry if you thought that we live in a democracy. Anyway, the pharmaceutical industry, as I said, is really excited about Robert because who wouldn't be excited if their BFF was all of a sudden president of the yearbook? You're gonna get to be on all the photos of that yearbook, so that's really exciting for you. But members of the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee have to still vote for him to be commissioner on January 12th. And some Democrats, um, including Manchin, yes, that Manchin, 
have said that they're not going to vote for him because they don't like that he's super, super cozy with like Big Farmer. But this might not matter because Republicans in the committee said that they would vote for him, proving that the definition of bipartisanship is when Republicans and Democrats come together to make all of our lives suck even more. Anyway, that's what Biden has done, among all the other terrible things that he's done. Um, I have a lot of feelings about this news, but I'm not going to um, talk about them because I want to invite Laurel Lakonji to help me talk about this news and give us Hello. feelings about it. Hey, Laurel. Hey. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really, really stoked and I am feeling a lot of feelings. So That's this works out mean. perfectly. Before we get into your feelings about the news, Laurel, I want to ask you questions um, so that the viewers and the listeners of this can know whether they can trust your feelings about the news. Like, what are your politics like? So I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay. First question is, who would you prefer to be president, Joe Biden or Lex Luthor? Hmm. Okay. I'm kind of split. No, I'm not. Well... I don't know, like the accelerationist in me is just like, okay, Lex Luthor, because it's clear and we won't have people kind of confused or like, oh, well, he was like best friends with Obama though. Like they have breaks. They'll know what's up. He's a good, yeah, they'll know what's up. Also, like real people with real lives will be impacted by the choice to make Lex Luthor president. I, mm, yeah, I just don't, I'm like, why don't we just move past presidents? Having presidents, needing presidents, let's just, I think it's an impossible question because it's not a question we should ask anymore. It's like, what's next? What are we doing now? Yes, we love forward. that. And let's move past presidents. All they do is make our lives worse and pick their friends to screw us over. Literally. Okay. <laughs> literally. Yeah, actually with Biden, it is literally, oh boy. Okay. Um, love that answer. I feel like we can trust you so far. Um, next question. When was the last time you worked with a legislator to write a law that you wanted to be a law? Mm. Mentally yesterday. Realistically, <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> wait, wait, no. what was the law? What was the law that you mentally uh, worked with your legislator with to write? Like, let's just make it so people have to shut the fuck up. And if you don't like color at least like five like little drawings in your book a day don't speak like you don't get to talk about anything relating to other people's lives because I really feel like I work with kids so I'm just like they just color they take their naps and they're fine like they don't fight with people even if they do they just move on and I think if adults did that I think people are just bored. Like, I'm really like, you guys are bored. A bored person does, like, police work. Like, yeah. I don't think that's something, if your life was stimulating, you would want to engage in. Yeah, like, why would you police other know. people's lives when you got shit going on? It's like, I'm bored, so I'm gonna, it's like minding other people's business because you got none of your own to mind. Um, exactly, I like, just let's legally just mind our business. I just don't think that's, like, so hard and I, I'm at the point where 
a part of me is like, I actually don't care if you're a white supremacist if you just do it at your house with your friends and then just leave <laughs> just it there. Just don't do it outside. Just and don't then just do it like, outside. don't mind anyone else's business. Like, think those thoughts. Just leave me out of it. Don't I, make laws about it. Just, I don't want to change your mind. I just want to, I just want to live my life. Like, you do you. I don't want to be friends with you. Just. I honestly don't think you're asking for a lot. And honestly, I would be a fan of a law that would make people who don't color not be able to talk about anything. Not even other people's business. Just like literally can't talk about anything. Like, shut yeah, up. Just you're spend not spend a little bit of time doing something that's just nice, like creative and relaxing. It could even be like staring at the sky. But just spend some time doing that and then revisit. You know, just don't check in again. Do you want to do this? Do you want to like hire your friends to arrest black people? Or do you want to just have barbecue, chill on the rooftop, drink some wine, like relax? I don't know. Oh man, it's... I don't even know if I want to keep asking questions because that was so relaxing. And I feel like if everybody <laughs> listened to you, the world would just like be a better place. Like look outside before you call the cops and your black neighbor. It's just like, like enjoy okay. the weather. Yeah, yeah just like live that. life. This is so silly. I just want to have a good time. <laughs> The pandemic's been so hard on all of us. Like, let's just relax. And not make it hard on other people. Laurel, I will say, (laughs) I feel like we can trust your feelings about the news. Because, (laughs) A, you don't think that we should have presidents, which, okay, we shouldn't. B, you don't think that other people should be minding other people's business and they should be forced to color. I think that's amazing. You're a patron of the arts who's not giving money, but just like patienting with <laughs> your advice and care. Oh, I and I love run that. the world like kindergarten forever, please. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody color. Oh my God. Do you know how much the world, the world, how much better the world would be? Everybody color and take naps and you get a juice box. Like that is. And then you like bring like, in someone fun to teach a lesson. Someone can come talk about, oh, here are all the leaves outside. Isn't that nice? Let's go identify leaves. I would love that. I would love to do something very simple for the rest of my life. You know what you should do? You should just like create like a kindergarten for adults where adults can just go there every day. I feel like people would like love that just to go. I'm actually kind of doing that (laughs) um, because I do, I do mutual aid in my area and I work with a a group that there's talks about getting nonprofit status, but I'm like, I don't uh, guys, there's, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Um, yeah. Because once you I'm get stuff on the side, because I'm, I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of good people, good resources. And I'm like, we can just do stuff. We don't need to get the paperwork. If there are resources, I know we can tap the community. Like everyone, I know everyone around is just as disappointed. Just no one talks about it. And so everyone's like, oh, we're all just fine. Like we don't need to change anything. And I'm like, no, we can. I promise. Like, the youth are in, our elders are in. Yeah. Let's just get the middle, like the middle chunk. Yeah, everyone's no. in, everyone's ready. Um, but People just don't know how to move forward. I think a lot of times, so they think that it's not possible. It's like, it you know, really it's scary. like being a kindergartner. You just like need somebody to like show you how to color within the lines. Cause you don't like, just, you don't know yeah, how to do just it. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I, I do, moving forward is hard. That is a question that, I mean, I took a break off interacting with like my life really outside of work I was like okay what's next actually I have said a lot about what I think is wrong but what so what do we do now and I mean my conclusion is like okay I just got to get started like 
start doing something. I might just go meet my neighbors, you know? Like if I'm gonna talk about building community, I should probably know my neighbors. That is the hugest thing is like meeting your neighbors. People don't realize that, but like isolationism is how capitalist gets us. They're like, we're gonna take you out as separate people, but if we come together, it's harder to do that. No, um, literally. I'm like, no, do you really think someone would beat you up if they knew a couple of things about you? Like it wouldn't be as easy, but if nope. no one knows who you are, it's like they don't give a fuck what happens to you. So yeah. And also people yeah. won't beat you up if they know that you know a lot of people because they'll be scared that those people will come to get them. Exactly. It's like the whole thing about yeah. like having friends who will like jump anybody who fucks with you. It's good street cred yes. to have. Yes. Um, yes. But let's move on to the news that we just talked about. Um, what are your feelings about Joe Biden picking Robert Califf, who is the BFFs with Big Farmer, to oversee Big Farmer? I just, okay, I first of all, are we surprised? Like this is just, this is exactly what was going to happen when nope. Joe Biden became president. And I have um, like CNN pilled parents. So like we're really fighting. I'm fighting for my life in this home sometimes. Um, oh, by the all, way, I just love that you highlighted the CNN pilled parents because a lot of people are always like Fox News is bad and it is bad. But I'm so like, is no. CNN. FYI, just going to toss that out there. Please continue. Yes. And so the discussion every time it comes up is like well what do you expect like, it's politics like and you know what it really you know whose fault it is joe manchin's which is like i had a i knew peace before i knew who joe manchin was <laughs> like i've never wanted to know this man <laughs> and now i've been like on his wiki and like looked into his family and i'm just like who and he's just like like digging through his family tree, like no, like looking up, like who's your great great grandpa, and and I'm why like, are, are you, you the person who like their cause? They're, they're putting everything. Like, on like, you are you don't important? Want to do like, do I need to know? Have you done? No, he's like a centrist. I don't know what that means. I'm like you're a conservative. Like save it, Joe. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> but there's, I just, I think for me, it's like at the end of the day, money is what motivates these people and i know that if a regular regular person I, I know in real life can be like oh like yes this person's problematic but we're friends i know that's going to translate higher up and the difference is they have a lot of power over our lives but they're probably like yeah but you know like they're actually really nice to me and it's just like this is what's happening at the top and they don't People in con like they don't know me, they don't know anyone, they just hang out together and then yep. theorize. And that, that's kind of why also I'm like if you read theory only, you can't truly connect and help people because you don't have like a, a connection to what's happening. And I'm like, they're just playing pretend and they all don't know what they're doing because I don't know what makes them qualified except for like going to law school, but or like being rich or like having rich friends or like yeah, being and, and having white rich friends. Exactly. And like the law that we follow, a lot of it is ripped from Romans. And they were psychotic people. Like their I mean, government they were... structures are it is actually deranged. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Nothing you have to say is gonna work for me. So I don't at this point I'm just like, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know what to say i don't Why care you said I a lot don't. of very important things you're like did you say you don't care i'm, just, I'm tired <laughs> i'm gonna just save my energy to do something for a real person or try to help black people i know 
in my white like ass town because that's waiting to vote in four years and already being like pre-threatened about voting and the consequences of voting by CNN. I'm like, don't put a conservative win on me. Like, don't start doing that. Stop setting me up for this. So it's just, yeah. But also like, if you want us to vote for you, like forgive student loans, give us healthcare. And like, the thing is like, we vote, you don't do what we want us, you want us. So why would voting help? And why should that's, I? I just, like, that's what's it's not like, like, this, this, There's a disconnect. I vote, you, I want you to do this, but then you don't do what I say. So it's not like, you don't listen to me. So why does my voting matter? Why don't I just sit my ass home? Like, what are you talking about? Exactly. It's, like, I, it's just gas, it's gaslighting. And I truly, because I'll sit there sometimes and I'm like, is, what is real? I don't know. I feel one way about life, but the people in charge who are like, you asked me to be here are saying another thing that is not my reality. And it's, it will actually drive someone insane. It's not, it's not right. And I can't, I'm like, I have to go no contact with politics. I'm sorry. Like for my own safety, like we're breaking up. I have to break up with you break up with politics it's not good and it doesn't serve yeah. anybody because it's not it doesn't do anything except for make us sad and upset but you know what does help as you said mutual aid and getting to know your neighbors and i love that so thank you so much for sharing all of your course. wisdom with us Thanks laurel <laughs> uh i am excited that you came to the show and we will see yeah. you back doing our high moment at the end of the show of course i'm excited <laughs> right, bye see you in a little bit Alrighty. wow laurel ugh has the most relaxing voice and such good nuggets of wisdom. So happy that Laurel could join us today. Um, and so I'm just gonna go ahead and move on to our next piece of news, which is about cryptocurrency. So in the past, I've made a lot of disparaging comments about people who are into crypto and I felt bad about it because I know nothing about crypto. Today, I'm not sorry about it because it turns out crypto is just another man-made thing that was created to destroy the planet and make people with no personalities feel special. There's nothing remotely interesting about me, you say, but I know a whole lot about crypto. Look at me, I'm cool. I'm not sorry about that. I'm not sorry that I say that at all because crypto mining is actually destroying the planet and the livelihood of vulnerable populations. For example, Bitcoin mining in Seneca Valley in New York has led to an increase in the lake temperature, the lake Seneca temperature, because get this, the facility pulls that Bitcoin, mine, Bitcoin mining facility pulls 139 gallons of water from that lake and then discharges up to 135 million gallons daily with temperatures up to 108 degrees. So cryptocurrency mining is literally increasing the temperature of a whole ass lake, which I mean, turning a lake into a hot tub is like a really sexy, romantic thing. Like if you're like on a date, it's sweet. You can get into some warm water, hang out with your sweetie. But I don't think the trout that live in that lake or recipients of that lake or having any fun at all. Like a lot of people who are like proponents of cryptocurrency have said that cryptocurrency is great because it's like a liberatory currency because it removes us from like depending on the banking system and the governments, which it turns out that's really not the case. It turns out like crypto cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency, which I cannot say, cryptocurrency is just like another ploy by capitalists to trick us all into thinking that we can all gain from something that is only good for them and bad for the planet. So no. I'm not sorry about saying cryptocurrency is a currency of bros who don't have a personality. Having said all that, my feelings are very clear, but I want to bring a very fun special guest. Everybody's been fun and special. 
uh, guest to talk to me about her feelings about crypto mining destroying uh, the planet and people's lives. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Safira. Thanks. I feel fun and special. I am fun and special. Thank you. Oh, everyone is fun and special. <laughs> Ophira, um, before yeah. we get into your feelings about this piece of news, I just want to ask you some questions so that people who are listening or watching can yes. get an understanding of like your politics to know whether they can, you know, trust your feelings about the news. Yeah. Okay. So I have two questions. Uh, my first question is like, do you think it's okay to publicly make fun of people who are into crypto? <laughs> yeah, it's called punching up. <laughs> I love that answer. I love it was short and sweet. Perfect. All right. Name two cryptocurrencies. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I'm worried that you know that, but I feel like your first answer was so succinct. I feel like maybe we can trust your feelings about cryptocurrency, even though you know more about it than I do, which is honestly not a thing. I just learned out about it. I mean, Bitcoin, you know, like, I feel like it's good. Good not to know much about it, although it's uh, creeping on us. It is creeping it on is. us. And so um, and I, like you, when I hear about it, I just want to stop hearing about it. All I can think about is how do I end hearing about it? I'm so not interested. Uh, but then, you know, you read an article about some model selling her farts in a mason job as uh, in a mason jar as an nft and you go maybe i should know what's going on before i'm somehow uh working at an nft virtual shop because that's the only place that i can get a job i don't know i know that is like the scariest thing about it is like should i learn about this because one day i'm gonna need a job and they're gonna be like what do you know about crypto and nfts and i'm gonna be like Oh, and then they're going to be like, well, you're unhirable. You're an unskilled worker. Right. <laughs> like, right. right. Or they're yeah. going to be like, well, send us, you know, uh, in order to do this, whatever thing. Oh, you have a, a desire. You have a dream. It's going to cost like 25 Bitcoins. And you're like, but I just decided never to buy that because I think it's bullshit. And uh, there you are. It's like believe not, but it's like money isn't real, but it doesn't matter if you think it's real or not. You still need it to buy food. That's the thing, Can, you know. And you're talking about how you know people that are these mining uh, operations, which are you know just uh, sometimes they're boats in the water. In the case of Seneca Lake, they're boats in the water that have no people or even infrastructure for people. They're just filled with computers that are using the cheap hydroelectric power because that way it is the most economical. And for some reason, this is allowed. And then it's, it's it ended up poisoning uh, both the environment and the water. So you, and you just think about that, how in, that's like, and then it's causing environmental damage. Imagine if I said to you, I just found out that my dreams are causing solar flares. <laughs> Stop dreaming. Stop it. Quit. Stop dreaming right now. Stop fucking dreaming. And also, your dreams. <laughs> yeah, they're real good, right? Right. They're, my dreams are of me buying Bitcoin. That's the weird part. I know. It's just like you dreaming is literally causing like the temperatures to rise. Stop Ophira from sleeping right now. Everybody immediately, we need to stop it. No, I mean, and you know, the worst thing about this is like there, there a lot of these Bitcoin mining companies are going to New York and Texas because the energy costs are so low. And it's, it's just like, we have created a situation where this Bitcoin thing didn't even have to exist and people created it and now it's destroying the planet. I swear human beings oh, are just trying to course. come up with creative ways to like destroy everything we have. 
Isn't it amazing that a digital currency is causing more damage than printing press would? I mean, that is right. And it's made up. At- First of all, like these mines, like, like, they're these formulas. So it's like a bunch of dorks got together and they were like, you know what would be cool if we made people like solve math problems, to, like make a lot of money. But also these math problems destroy the planet. Yeah. The only thing, so talking about things that have uh, perceived value only, maybe you and I can agree on this, that something like wine has a perceived value. Like the difference between a, I don't know, $500 bottle of wine and a $10 bottle of wine is totally subjective. It's just built on garbage, right? (laughs) Garbage that the wine industry has propagated. And some people say, oh, it's, you know, we've all- And some fancy person is like, this is $500. And then you give it to me, I can't tell the difference because I've- I will drink honest wine and call it good. And people dispute all this and things get elevated in price for no good reason. There's tons of counterfeiting. All of this to say that there is a wine region right around Seneca Lake, a New York wine region. Mm -hmm. So our saving grace is these pretentious wine lovers get interested enough in saving that precious wine farmland, which, by the way, most of the rest of the precious farm Wineland in the world is being destroyed by climate change. So actually, <laughs> something like northern New York wine country is going to become more and more valuable. <laughs> so that's our hope. My hope is ah, uh, isn't the irony? <laughs> Ew. Oh. Something else that is completely based on nothing. I hope they win. It's like your your enemy saving you from like something bad happening to you. It's so gross, but yet like you're like, at least you did it. And also, I mean, underlying all this is the fact that all stolen land, that if it was just given back, we probably would be living in a whole better world. So it's like layers upon layers upon layers. layers no, but- no, you're right. You're right. It's like an, an NRA enthusiast saving someone from murdering me. I would be like, how do I? Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, no. Uh, So I think I already did ask you this, but I want to ask it outright. Do you think humans are trying to constantly come up with ideas to destroy the planet and each other because they're just like desperately unhappy and they want a way out of capitalism? Well, I mean, the uh, I would love it if more humans wanted a way out of capitalism. I think it's actually we're a three, three or four evolutionary steps behind that utopian dream. I think that humans are intoxicated by capitalism and short-sighted by capitalism. Even I wake up some mornings and I consider myself like probably uh, as a Canadian as well, like maybe borderline socialist. I might even see some upsides in communism. Anyway, for another time. Um, But I think that I wake up and I go, uh, I just need to make a lot of money. And then I (laughs) remind myself that that is every, I have so much problem with that but that is the only dream you are given and so when that's the only dream you are given in this world then it's just the constant need for capitalism so something like just gathering as much bitcoin as possible and money 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 and nothing else makes any sense until you're on your deathbed and you go i should have spent time with family (laughs) (laughs) i love everything what you've said which i think goes back to my original point which is that i am a computer I have been programmed to do certain things and I'm like trying really hard to stop. And it's really hard. Like the other day I found a little, like, I don't know what it was. It was like a little mouse. And I was like, we need to move out. I need to make more money so we can move out of this apartment. Like I didn't even think, oh my gosh, where are the mice going to go? Because we've built up the whole city. I'm just like, 
More money, no mice. More money, exactly. less problems. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I wish, I wish, honestly, if you said, do you think the whole thing is that we're trying to kill each other because it's the only way we'll get out of capitalism? I would be like, wow, what dream? We've reached a dream state. <laughs> but no, my, my a dream state, you know how those calls cause solar flares. So, but no, we are, we are just like, how do I step on someone to get one level up so I can live whatever fantasy this is of a better life that can only be purchased? The end. Wow. That was a great end. And somebody just chimed in and said, great to see you, Ophira. I was a big fan of Ask Me Another. Somebody just said that. Thank you. Thank you. Ophira, thank you so much uh, for saying the truth, which is like we're all little programmed machines who just. And uh, can I just do a shout out to anyone from Cornell who might watch? Ithaca is right near where this problem is. Get on it. I'm counting on you. And you did the right thing for calling it out because I'm often just like so caught up in crying about it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm just sad. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Ophira. We'll see you. Ophira is coming right back. Whoever just said that you love Ophira for a high moment with us. So uh, hang soon. around, stick around. Uh, thank you, Ophira. Thanks. Alrighty. Um, and I'm going to take a little break from telling you a piece of news that you should have feelings about and invite a very, very special guest who I'm really excited to have on here to tell you about a piece of news that they found out about and their feelings about it. Please welcome to the stage uh, a very friendly person, Luke S., who is being a correspondent for Field the News today. Hey, Luke S., what's going on? You want to hit us with your news today, Luke S., and tell hey. us a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. My name's Luke Ass. I'm from Buxton, Massachusetts. Uh, I gotta say, I've been learning so much on this show so far. I've been learning so much. Uh, Mayor of New York, I think I would hate it no matter who it was. But, uh, oh boy, Eric Adams. Uh, if the guy wanted to be nimby, 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 he should have ran in New Jersey. Uh, I gotta say that. Uh, he's like the kid that you don't invite to the party, not because you're trying to be mean, because you think, but because you think he's going to call the cops. Uh, and then when he finds out he wasn't invited, he calls the cops anyway. Uh, big Pharma. We were talking about Big Pharma. At first, I didn't realize the problem with that because I thought you were talking about my friend, Big Sean Pharma. Uh, you know, Big Sean, we, we call him Big Sean Pharma because he has chickens. Uh, but here's the thing. Why would you hire? You're already having a difficult time public messaging about the FDA, trying to get people to take the vaccines, trying to convince them there's no reason to have any trust issues in the medical system. And then you hire an executive from Big Pharma? I mean, that's like, okay, that's like my friend Mikey. His girlfriend Regina thought he was cheating with his ex-girlfriend Christine, and he wasn't. But then he hired Christine at the Chili's that he runs, and everyone was like, why are you doing that? She already doesn't trust you. Why would you double down? Anyway, uh, crypto, destroying the planet. Oh, boy, it's also destroying my group chat. We got Mike, Mikey, <laughs> Michael, Mikey, and Mike, and uh, oh, boy, they're all deep, deep into it. Uh, okay, I know we got, a, we got a story coming up later, I think, about this, the strike at Columbia. That's great. You know, striking always works. When I was in grade school, they took away chicken nugget day, so we just started shitting on the floor of the bathrooms until they brought it back. Uh, and that worked. Um, so the new story I want to talk about is actually about school. Uh, you know, th there's a huge, huge spike 
in the coronavirus uh, and they're still making everyone go to school, right? They're testing the teachers, they're not testing the children. We have potentially the money and the potential infrastructure to be setting up routine testing at every school. All the private universities are doing it, uh, but our, our public schools are not getting the same thing. The private high schools are going remote and then their parents are the ones running the public uh, high schools and deciding everyone needs to go to class. Uh, we all know that it's just because kids can't be left alone at home because they will get up to absolutely no good. Okay. One time when I was left alone, I caught a frog and I tried to put it inside me. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I understand uh, kids can't be left alone. The answer is simple. Let their parents stay home and suffer through their insufferable personalities with them pay them to stay home, pay everyone to stay home, send them food like every other uh, smart country has already done. And here's the thing, all week, all week, we kept hearing from the CDC and the president and God knows who that, you know, kids aren't at risk, uh, kids are gonna be fine. First of all, you're forgetting the people who work in the building, you're forgetting the kids who might be immunocompromised, those people matter, so don't talk like they don't. Second of all, the CDC waits until Friday night at the end of a long battle of a week to get people stuffed in those public school buildings together to tell everyone that there is an increased risk of kids getting diabetes after getting COVID. Okay? They put that on on a Friday night. All right? They oh. put that on, the only Friday night that they could have done that worse with was Christmas Eve. Like, Jesus Christ, you put that out on a Friday night? And I got to say, exposing kids to the potential of getting diabetes from getting COVID, there's way more fun ways to get diabetes, okay? <laughs> you could get diabetes from eating Dunkin' Donuts every day. You could get diabetes from having a soft serve machine in your own house. You could get diabetes from having sex with someone who has diabetes. There's a lot of fun ways to get diabetes. So what I'm saying is, you know, let's get kids are people too. Uh, disabled kids are people too. You know, poor kids are people too. You gotta these kids also have rights, and they have the right to not die in school for capitalism. So kids, you know, I think if you want to go home, just start shitting on the floor. They'll listen soon enough. Thank you. I'm Lucas. Thank you so much, Lucas, for giving kids that good advice. Please shit on the floor if they make you go to school uh, during Please COVID. Please do. Luke, you brought up like really good points, but my most uh, pressing question for you is like, how does one get diabetes from having sex with somebody who has diabetes? Oh, yeah. I think I might have been wrong about that. <laughs> I think I might have got a little carried away. But hey, if you've got diabetes out there, I would love to have sex with you. <laughs> Luke asked, I, 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 I do, I, I, I you, did, you did bring up like a really, really, really uh, good point also now, which is like, essentially the CDC is asking children and everybody to die for capitalism, um, mm -hmm. which is obviously extremely problematic. Now, why would the CDC, something that um, supposedly is part of the government, a government which supposedly care about us, do something as awful as that? Uh, well, I think the answer is pretty simple. It's because they don't care about us. Uh, I feel like government is like a... Government is like... Let me think of a way I can put it into words. Government is like my Uncle Tommy, all right? 
Tommy was saying that he was trying to provide for us as his nieces and nephews. Tommy was always running some sort of little scam for the sake of the nieces and the nephews. And then we realized Tommy, Tommy had an ungodly uh, collection of sex dolls. And I'm not here to kick shame, okay? But you can't say you're doing one thing for your nieces and nephews when really you just have an ungodly large collection of sex dolls. And and here's the, here's where the government is like that. They're collecting our taxes, telling us that it's for a good CDC and the roads and the bridges and the schools. But really, they're just making a big-ass military. And they're making a big military so they can get all the, I don't know, whatever they want, oil and people. <laughs> Land. Whatever they can make other people's, they can get other people's property. They're yeah, so they can get other people's sex dolls. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the world is America's sex dolls uh, because of our governments. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the show. Thanks for having me, Marcella. <laughs> about everything. <laughs> Thank you, Lucas. Thank you for having me. <laughs> And that was Luke Ass, a very special correspondent to Field the News. Um, we love Luke Ass. He has a lot of insight and great information. Sometimes he lets his feelings get a hold of him and he forgets his relatives' names. Do not hold that against Luke Ass. He's a very nice uh, man um, with friends Mike, Mike, and Mikey. Now, I'm going to move on um, to the uh, very last piece of news, which is actually really, really exciting news. Okay, so like after two months of strike striking, can I talk? I don't know what's happening. I can't say words today. English is not my first language. So, you know, you should be proud that I can even speak it. Um, after two months of striking, uh, Columbia University student workers have reached a tentative agreement with the university that would improve their living standards and perhaps destroy the whole myth that starving grad students live off of ramen. I personally lived off of hot chocolate. That's what I was drinking when I was in grad school. Couldn't even afford ramen, but the hot chocolate in the lobby of the building where I lived, free. Anyway, this news makes me smile because this was not just a win for student workers of Columbia, though they were supported by like undergrad students who, <clears throat> you know, actually snuck food out from the cafeteria to feed them, which might sound mean if you went to my undergrad because the cafeteria food was not edible. But I'm assuming that Columbia's food is better. So this is like a nice thing to do. Um, also, faculty members have uh, supported the strikers by joining the strike when Columbia threatened to replace striking workers, creating the largest strike of people with tweed blazers. I've been wanting to say that forever. I just imagine a bunch of professors with tweet blazes saying, let them work. Anyway, all this is to say that Columbia student workers were successful because of the acts of solidarity, you know, from the professors and from the undergrad students. That's why they're successful, which just proves that if we come together to support each other, we can destroy exploitative systems. So here's to being each other's heroes, but better because we aren't cops. Superheroes are cops. I want y'all to listen carefully superheroes are cops you're not good okay but we can be heroes but we're not gonna be cops nonetheless this is really great news and i'm excited for columbia um columbia university students i hope that this contract goes through but here to discuss feelings about this piece of news is somebody from igd it's going now now got going down news which is an amazing news uh, source for everything anti-capitalist anti-fascist they're actually covering the news on the ground that you're never going to hear from from cnn or anybody else because they're talking about what people are actually doing to fight this exploitative system thank you so much somebody from igd by the way they're not you're not going to see their faces because you know nobody should know who they are um thank you so much for joining us <laughs> yeah thanks for having us 
Yeah. Okay, cool. I want to, even though I've already given uh, the audience a little bit of like what IGD is about, I'm just going to yeah. ask some questions to determine whether we can trust your political stance, which I feel like <laughs> we can trust, but I'll let the audience decide. Um, so first question, would you be willing to work with your work enemy to unionize? Ooh, yeah, if possible. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, uh, one of the most toxic parts of corporate culture is the way that it pits people against each other for promotions and races. Um, that is really intentionally that structure of bringing workers into management to get them out of solidarity with other workers is a really common capitalist tactic. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, as I always say, I love to work with my friends on politics, but I don't have to be friends with the people I work with politically, and I don't have to work politically with the people I'm friends with. Um, even though it's best when that, when all of those things line up. I love that. That's so true. So do you think it's corporate America's ploy to get your coworkers to eat your lunch so that they can hate you and you can hate <laughs> them and so that you don't come together to unionize? Yeah, it's also what water coolers are about. So we argue about television, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what they are. It's not so that we yeah. can catch up on our weekends so we can find new ways of why we hate each other. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, if you see a water cooler at work, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unplug it from the wall and uh, everything's going to be good. <laughs> Yeah, or drink all the water by yourself immediately <laughs> when you get into work in the morning. You'll be uncomfortable, but you'll be doing something for uh, humanity and your fellow coworkers. Um, so yeah, no, I feel like that's a really good question, good answer. Uh, last question. Sorry, I mean, I had two questions. Last question. I tell saying like I had like ten. Um, when was the last time you were a scab? A scab is somebody uh. who goes. When they say, oh, union workers are going on strike, okay. a scab is somebody who goes and takes those jobs. So yeah. my question to you is, when was the last time you are, you were a scab? I am proud to say I've never scabbed on a strike. Um, I organized my first strike when I was 12 years old. And I grew up in a... Wow, uh, overachiever a, over there. Okay. Is that a country club I was carrying golf bags at? So like real wealthy, like super rich families, right? Uh, but I grew up in the working class in the Rust Belt, right? Unions are religion. You know, you don't cross a picket line like ever, ever, ever. And you get taught that when you're a small child, you know. I love that. I feel like we can trust you because uh, who was unionizing when they were 12? I mean, uh, <laughs> I was just like, I have been a scab once. I was very ashamed as when my parents said that you can't be cute to get things. And I was cute anyway. And I was a scab because my brothers are not cute. So I got it. No, I'm just kidding. I was never, was never a scab. I will, I will say this. <laughs> I'm really proud we actually won that strike too. <laughs> That's really amazing. So what does this 12-year-old um, unionizing or striking look like? Ah, yeah. So we were carrying golf bags, right? So we were all independent contractors. We get paid as we did work. Most of the time we just sit around. You were a 12-year-old independent contractor? Oh my God, I hate yeah, yeah. this place. But please continue. That is awful. And we're talking uh, Carnegie, Rockefeller, Kennedy type rich families, like generational wealth, right? Oh, wow. Uh, which in the place where I grew up, uh, you get brought up weaned on class war rhetoric, right? So it's like, those people are the people who screwed your grandparents over and here I am carrying their golf bags. So what we did, uh, we broke into our boss's office, we stole the phone list of all the other caddies and then we did what people should do on strikes. We called everyone up and said, if you cross this picket line, we're going to beat your ass. And we won in three weeks. That's and that amazing. Was it. You were, how old was it? How was it? Okay. So I just love a 12 year old calling somebody to beat their ass if they do something. So like, did these people take you? Okay. So first of all, how old was everybody else? Were they like all below the age of 12? Because the most no, no. thing about this is like 20 year olds were scared of having a 12 year old beat their ass. They were, being, go ahead. They were like 18 year olds. Like there were some like older kids. Right. Uh, but it was the young kids. We were the ones that did all the breaking in and mischief parts. <laughs> 
and also threatening to jump people. A bunch of middle schoolers jumping an 18 year old who's going to work when he's not supposed to, honestly, it's a movie and I want to see it. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. So you called everybody on the list and then threatened to be there. Oh, wow. That's yep. so cool. Oh, and we had not a single scab. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Oh, wow. I don't know what I was doing at 12. Maybe that is what it is now. Okay. Okay. So knowing how you feel about unions, what are your feelings about Columbia University student workers getting support from like undergrad students and professors to like get this tentative um, contract uh, with yeah. the university? Yeah, this is great. I mean, so uh, just for a little background about myself, I'm a reformed academic, right? And so when I was in academia as a grad student, I was also in a union. Um, this was in the mm. SUNY system. Um, now, the thing that Columbia students did really, really, really well that the unions in the SUNY system wouldn't do is they were willing to actually shut their schools down. Mm -hmm. um, we had this like huge fight with our union, which was communication workers, um, who kept telling us, oh, well, you're not legally allowed to strike, so you can't. And eventually we just did. Um, we just walked out one day, uh, at Columbia, they didn't even wait for that. They just did it. And then they stuck with it. And so what the Columbia strike shows is, is I think three things. First is the actual connections that you build in the process of the strike are probably more important than the concessions that you win, right? At the end of the day, we have to keep in mind that like most union activity is for concessions with capital and not for mm -hmm. actually destroying capital. Um, and so even though we live more comfortably in capitalism when we're in a union, right, which, you know, again, unions are religion where I grew up, um, it doesn't actually ultimately change the situation in a fundamental way, right? But the connections that we build in the process of building unions can, and this is actually the thing with the early labor movement that I think a lot of people miss, it's not about the fight for the eight-hour day, it's the fact that building those unions allowed for there to be capacity and inertia to fight for an eight-hour day. Right. That all happened first, though. And it was the militancy of those struggles was important. Secondly, persistence. Right. They were out on strike for a good long time in the middle of a really yeah. hard <laughs> period of time that we're living through right now. We're going on strike could be the difference between eating or not. Right. And so it can get really hairy, especially when you're an entirely precarious worker like a student worker is. Um, you're on a contract. They can cancel your contract. They did that where I went to school a number of times to people who were agitators. And so um, it takes a lot of bravery to be that persistent and like big ups to people at Columbia for doing that. Like that takes a lot of guts and those guts are really meaningful, right? Like those are the things that carry us through into the future. Um, but the third thing is they showed the importance of direct action. They're willing to shut mm -hmm. stuff down, right? They're willing to refuse to turn in grades. They're willing to shut buildings down. They're willing to threaten to occupy spaces. Like that's what it actually takes to win. Um, one of the fallacies of activism, specifically liberal activism, is that they come into a situation, they go, okay, cool, well, we're not going to do these types of actions, we're only going to do these types of actions, we're going to talk to the mm -hmm. school president, and so on, you've already telegraphed how far you're willing to go, so what the university mm -hmm. will do is just play a game of chicken with you. Students at Columbia and workers at Columbia decided to not do that, and that's ultimately why they were able to escalate themselves into a victory, right, and do it in a really measured way, so, like, yeah, absolutely. We need to celebrate what they did there. That was really, really awesome. Um, but we also have to recognize that is the beginning of something that hopefully is much cooler than that, right? Something much bigger, something more impactful. Yeah, no, I think you, I'm glad that you brought up like there's something bigger and more impactful. I, is your, do you think that the end goal for unions should be like to like take over and become worker owned? Like I, I've never asked you like what type of anarchist you are, but like, are you like in the vein of like anarcho-syndicalist? Would you think that unions should like 
take over and become worker owned? Is that the goal or is the goal for unions to like get rid of like work as we know it? Like, yeah, which so, I love because I don't, you know, work sucks, labor is good, work is trash and we don't like it. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I identify personally as an insurrectionist. I'm not particularly mm -hmm. interested in, you know, communally yes! organized, centralized <laughs> industrial Burn labor. All down. Um, um, in Minecraft, right? In, yeah. Only in Minecraft, right? Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly interested in a world in which unions bureaucratize work as a way to get ourselves to a better way of living, right? Um, now, if people want to do that and work collectively, there's something that comes out of autonomous Marxism that I think helps here, which is that the way that autonomists saw history, which is really different than the way that I think workerists see history, is autonomists saw history as this collective construction of all of us, right? There's dynamics within that, obviously. But at the end of the day, every house, every streetlight, every street was built by a worker somewhere, right? The entirety of history is the product of all of our collective actions for better or worse. And so we are all bound up in that. And that what that means is that sitting there and trying to break apart where one works and how one works and what the hierarchy of that workplace is in some, quote, post-revolutionary situation pretty much entirely defeats the purpose of the whole fighting for autonomy thing, right? Like, we're going to go out there and fight for... A, the possibility of different futures. We have to allow for the possibility of different futures and not sit there and say, this is how the world after this point is supposed to be. Yeah. And also like imagine a different future in a way that is not tied to, you know, working, which is what capitalism is. And as like as exploitatively done. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, like thinking of a new future, which is like still tied to this thing that people don't actually like doing. Like nobody actually likes the shitty work that we do. And I think right. ima allowing people to like imagine that better world future for me personally is like smoking weed every day and maybe <laughs> I might not. Oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I totally get that. Yeah, I thank you so much for like dropping your wisdom on um, not just like unionizing in Colombia, but also just like <clears throat> in terms of like what like a, a better future could potentially look like. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, having said that, thank you for coming. I'm going to uh, let you go, but you'll come back for a high moment, which will be very short. I okay. want to uh, bring back Sharia Mantis to, uh, Sharia, I don't know what you're gonna do, but you said you had a little rant about Lin-Manuel and his dad being evil. So I'm just gonna let you have the floor and have you do that for five minutes. Oh my God, thank you, Marcella. Um, I actually, so, all right, three days ago, uh, was the anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. Um, or as I refer to it, uh, the day all the white people fell off the wall. So Mary is well. You see that? They're like, ah! <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> the Democrats, in their, you know, continued mission to lose every upcoming election. Uh, they commemorated the anniversary with a touching performance of Dear Theodosia from the hip-hop slave owner musical Hamilton, uh, a song that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda introduced the piece with the kind of bug-eyed earnestness usually reserved for cartoon bunnies, and the internet roasted him and Pelosi accordingly. But here's the thing. I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I love him. I can rap slash sing Hamilton in its entirety from start to finish and have 
to the loud, angry boos of my roommates. Uh, I love In the Heights, even with its colorist propaganda. And I've seen Encanto four times. That shit just came out. I love the songs. I love the story. And I was appropriately triggered by the mean immigrant grandmother. But Lin-Manuel Miranda is not just a problematic fave because he raps some colonialist rap. He also walks the colonialist walk. Lin's father is actually Luis Miranda, a noted New York political lobbyist who's worked with some of history's greatest monsters like Ed Koch, Chuck Schumer, Rudy Giuliani, and Hillary Clinton. Ah? Oh, those emails. He's used his son's obnoxious theater kid energy to help propagandize the Hurricane Maria relief bill, PROMESA, which is just austerity measures that cut school and hospital funding after a hurricane, and privatized beaches, which were then brought up, bought up. He heads the Hispanic Federation, a group of powerful, rich politicians and business leaders, corporate cocksuckers, uh, but they're all Latino, so it's fine. Uh, he helped to place corrupt Puerto Rican governor Ricardo Rosello, who later stepped down after hurling a bunch of misogynist, homophobic tirades at his staff over the Telegram app. But if you thought sweet cupcake Lynn was only working at the behest of his evil father, think again. Lynn himself works with Starbucks, the Rockefeller Foundation, and Nestle, actual modern-day slavers, to revive the country's coffee industry by investing, no Sith, not donating, investing into the in the introduction of climate-resistant coffee seeds, which obviously would be owned by those evil corporations, further increasing the archipelago's dependence on some deeply untrustworthy companies. Lynn and his father are basically responsible for like a whole soft coup in Puerto Rico, controlling their industries, their tourism. You can visit the Miranda's hometown as a part of a tourism package. I'm sure they don't get a cut of that. Uh, their government, their economy. Luis even lobbied Congress to give the Hispanic, the Hispanic Federation full power to oversee Puerto Rico's disaster relief funds. Meanwhile, Puerto Rico remains underfunded and totally underrepresented because let's face it, they're a U.S. colony. Look, the songs slap. But next time you're singing along to We Don't Talk About Bruno, which is the best song from Encanto, uh, just keep your eyes open and recognize that Lin-Manuel Miranda's genius is being used in service of capitalism and colonialism because he's just like his country. He's young, scrappy, and corrupt to his very core. Thank you. That's it. Hello. Oh my God. I did not know. Oh, can I clap? I did not know any of that. So thank you so much, correspondent uh, Sharia Battis, for uh, Look it up getting it all that. <laughs> Look oh. it up in first. Uh, I don't want to look it up. That's why you looked it up and came here to do this. <laughs> I'm like Laurel. At this point, I don't want to know more because the more I learn, the worse it gets. I've I learned know. enough. I've learned enough and I'm stopping the learning now. We are done. We know everything that we need to know. We are done learning. I'm done learning. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm done too. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Sharia. Uh, uh, I appreciated that. Okay, I'm gonna bring back everybody. Ophira, gonna bring back Laurel. Gonna bring back Sharia. Gonna bring back, uh... oh, it looks like it's not gonna let me do a lot of people at once. So I'm gonna start off 
We're going to do a high moment where I ask you about a moment that you've had when you're high, you've not had to have had to be high to have had this moment. It could be just something that you thought about when you're deep or not. Um, to just share a high moment with us. I'll go first. Um, a recent high moment that I had is that I am more sober when I'm high than when I am sober because I see things the way they really are. And sometimes when I'm sober, I'm like, wait, no, this isn't real. But then when I get high, I'm like, oh, wait, this is real. It's just really bad. So that's the high moment that I had. Uh, and I'm going to uh, start off to the person on my right. Uh, I'm going to start off with you, Ophira. Ophira, what, what, is that, what is a high moment that you've had? Great idea. Oh, here Sound is a little weird. I don't know. Is that is anybody else? Why is my say hang does make it a yes? Not yet. Here. How about I'll have you come back in a moment when we can hear you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um righty. Laurel, tell us your high moment. Oh man, um, there's so many from the past year because I was truly checked out for a huge. I love portion. the way you live life. Please adopt me. Um, <laughs> I think I I did have uh, a moment where I was sitting with my friend. We were looking. I used to have a really nice view, so I would look at the sunset. I'd watch the sunset every night, and I was like. I think I realized that magic was real because it was a matter of, cause I would take these walks and I'd be like, I can see options. Like you don't understand. Like I see, there's just so many ways things can look. And I was like, what it's about is, I was like, we're like the internet and we're all different websites. So if you have like friends, you don't need to know much. You can be good at like one thing and then once you build like the hive mind of the friend group, you can do almost anything because you'll be able to like pick up the slack where someone falls. I'm like, and that's in a way magical because like we can't do it by ourselves, but like it is really a communal project of just like patching in because I'm not like science and math aren't my forte, but I have friends that are really good at that. And so like, I'll bring up a concept, they'll finish. And it's like, see, I don't have to do this research. Like someone else did it for me. Um, and I was so excited. I was like, the world is going to change. Like, this is, once I get this information out, like, <laughs> we're going to fix everything. <laughs> and then <laughs> I try to explain to, like, two people <laughs> that I know that, like, are as, that are, like, fine with how the world is. And I was like, right, okay, um, I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> I'm going to do some more reading. I'm going to come more prepared. Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, My Little Pony, when they said friendship is magic, like that's, they said that. And that's the truth. Like I can't, I can't even elaborate further. Like that is, friendship is magic. Also, I just want to say, Sharia, I love Hamilton as well. It's like the most toxic part of me. I know every word. I watched it on the fourth, which is awful. And I was like, if you remove it from context, it's a great story. Like, the beats are so good. Thank you. It's an inspiring tale. When they lift those chairs, I'm like, yes, America. And I'm like, wait, wait. America? <laughs> no, I didn't mean it. I meant good stuff. Well, I also, for a minute, like, 
actually forgot the founding fathers were not black and like people of color <laughs> i was like this is just inspiring and i was like wait wait no no these are white men <laughs> like white men got like, together <laughs> the way i love thomas jefferson in that play <laughs> it's like yes thomas jefferson <laughs> black people as cops on tv because they, they like because they, they want because they don't want because when you see them as black it's like hard like, to be mad i'm that. like oh but like i want to i support black people always but like you are <laughs> cop i don't know it is but i also had a history teacher in the fifth grade history my fifth grade teacher the only thing i remember learning that year is american history and so i have a binder like this thick on the american revolution and civil war and then we painted models and I live in a really white place. So he he got me like really quick, really young. And so Hamilton really takes me back to just like liberty kids, you know? Like, oh God, loving kids. America. Yes. <laughs> like living the kids. dream. Like I miss sometimes I'm like, I'd give anything to go back to just like loving it here. Like Obama era. I didn't even know what was happening. I was too young and I was like, oh my God, we did it. Like it's it's fixed. No, I don't um, want to take the pill all day every day. I did the and all that stuff, but like my dad was like a crazy black revolutionary. So he just would, he'd be like, you know, I knew about Sally Hammond before anybody else. And I ruined, ruined the classroom. <laughs> just made everybody sad with information my father gave me. So I have no excuse. I have no excuse. I'm yeah. just <laughs> My parents are, they're immigrants. So my dad's always been like, I don't know, like, I don't really care. Like America's fucked up and we've known that. <laughs> They're like retirement time, like we're leaving. Like we came, we did, we came, we saw, we were, we we're came here to down. like give you a better life. Yes. Turns we're out done. we were wrong. We're out. We're done. We're wrong. We're yeah. done. We're gonna go I was like, back. Thank well, I have to stay now. Like these are my people. Like I can't leave. So <laughs> it's like I don't know anything else. That's how I am to my parents. Exactly. Like better life. And I was like, really? I don't know. This is not. This is. TV's a lie because when they show you movies, you think everybody has a big old house and a nice car and everybody. Uh, and, a, and and like somebody who works at a restaurant can have five cars and a big house and that's sustainable or something. It's a big old yeah. lie. Not America. Yes. Moving if on you to your restaurant, what is your high moment? Huh? huh? <laughs> if you work at a restaurant, you can go see a doctor. That's only in Yeah. <laughs> like no, you cannot. You will die by yourself. Um, exactly. All right, Sharia, what's your high moment, y'all? I can keep talking to y'all all night, but oh, I'm so gonna, sorry. I'm gonna keep um, it moving. Y'all are the best. You have to come back, Sharia. What's your high I, moment? My high moment, I mean, I hate this because I'm always high, but uh, my I guess my highest moment was watching cat TV with the cat for so long that the cat was no longer interested and I was just high by myself watching cat TV. This shit is amazing. Just trying to catch butterflies on the screen. That's amazing. It's great. I, I highly suggest cat TV to all. I love people. cat TV. I was babysitting my friend's cat, turned on cat TV, cat launched at the television straight up. It was a bird and just went, and just like, like it was like they were hunting. Yes, they're hunting. Yes, they've become attracted to these screens, just like our sad people. <laughs> sad. I just want to hear y'all talk about Hamilton for like five hours. Can we make that happen? Okay. <laughs> I will come for that. I want to see that. I just need that in my life. Um, no thank y'all so much. I'm going to bring back. Thank you so much for being to the show. Sharia, Laurel. This was so great. <laughs> I'm going to bring thank up uh, other people to give us their high moments already. I hope Ophira's audio is working better. Ophira, let's see your audio. Is it better? Um, no. <laughs> 
hope you're uh, type your I, your high moment in the private comments and I'll read them to everybody. You sound like a you sound like a robot. <laughs> Which would honestly make this funnier. <laughs> it just sounds like a robot in the background that's like, let me on. I wanna say something. It's like <laughs> oh, your fans saying that it's robotic. Oh, wow. Oh, man. That's funny. Ophira, okay, so Kate, I'll let you go. And then Ophira, we'll just let you work, work through it. And we'll, we'll, we'll say it anyway. Um, Kate, or Luke asks. Sorry, Luke asks. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Luke yeah. asks, what is your high moment? All right, I got two things written down in my notes at back to back. Uh, <laughs> the first one, it says, uh, someone once told me in, in the early 2010s, that the culture would pay its price for devoting itself to irony. I do now see, that's how you could tell I was high. I do now <laughs> see <laughs> that for the right, jokes have been converted into reality, and for the left, reality is nothing but the punchline of a joke. Uh, and then the next thing I wrote was, what if there was roller skates for boobs? So, <laughs> I'm a genius. Genius, an ingenious, an ingenious idea, look as just to be able to roller skate while you're laying down. Yep. I would 1000% <laughs> be a fan of this. I don't have any leg muscles. You're not strong. My boobs are small. I can definitely <laughs> like, like be in a roller coaster and just, oh, I love that idea, Lucas. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a lot of fun tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Lucas. Let's try to bring up back Ophira. Ophira, say something. Talk to us. Okay, how about now? Yes! yes! <laughs> Give us your high moment. Oh my God, so much buildup. It better be good. Um, <laughs> it's also cat related. I thought that um, since we're into genetic engineering, that cats should be genetically engineered so their diet is only of cockroaches and that we genetically <laughs> engineer a claw that removes their exoskeleton or a specific kind of enzyme that dissolves them. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. This I is a good even, idea. I can't even. What? That's how smart you get when you're high. When I'm high, I'm just like, world sucks. Get me out. <laughs> I don't even, I don't know what an exoskeleton is when I'm high. <laughs> we got to take a couple of these ideas to Shark Tank. I'm telling you. I know. I think it's you. This idea is high. Oh my God. Such a good episode of like ideas when I'm high. Like just try to see. I feel like there's so many good ones. Oh, I think a well, biotech Shark Tank would be a very interesting <laughs> series. <laughs> True, true, true. true. The first person to push some ideas. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna get cats eat roaches, and they're gonna be like, "What? What are we? Exactly. What is happening?" Well, we have to genetically alter their saliva so it has enzymes that can dissolve the exoskeleton, so they're able to enjoy the meaty insides. Which will also make them lethal to their human companions, which maybe is not such a bad thing. Uh, oh, cat already, cats already don't like their human companions. I feel like That's this true. is just giving them more tools to like further destroy them. Oh my god. Alrighty. Thank you so much, Amir and Lucas. I'm gonna bring up uh the last person with their high moment. Uh whoever you are behind the black screen, what is your high moment? Uh well. Uh, I'm usually pretty boring when I'm when I'm high, but I'll give you one from a friend of mine who this is I, I was I was involved in this. I, I participated in this, but it, it's amazing. So I had this friend back in the day, this was about 10 years ago, before there were drones and all kinds of stuff who used to call me just 
baked out of their mind and leave these like 15 minute long voice messages. <laughs> this is like before voicemail would cut off after like a minute. This is like way back in the day before smartphones. And one day they call me up and they're like, all right, I've got the best idea ever. <laughs> pizza tunnels. And then they just launch into this whole thing about how like, wouldn't pizza delivery be way more efficient if we just dug a bunch of tunnels under the city so people could just like go down to the basement of the pizza shop and just like get on a little scooter and drive through the tunnels to where you are and then like pop up from a sewer grate and give you the pizza like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles style. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like a parallel steam tunnel system just like for pizza. Super awesome. <laughs> Honestly, right. I don't. I can't say that I'm mad at that. I feel like mm -mm. we have we have a Shark Tank. We could definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, you will get no money, but <laughs> you will get moral support for your ideas. People will tell you, "Hey, that was nice." You will get no money to do it, but I appreciate. It. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't imagine. Like, like so. Like, I guess you'd have, but you, everyone would also have to have a scooter if you want to go get into the pizza tunnel. Or like, are there going to be scooters available for public use? But for the delivery people, panel. the delivery oh, people yeah. get the scooters and then they can just oh, deliver yeah. the pizza and then they don't just stop at red lights. Oh, got you. Oh, so right? I was thinking that you would, okay. So I got it messed up because I was thinking you would have to go <laughs> through the scooter. Okay, no, you know, I like this. I mean, delivery people already have scooters. And right? then when it's winter, maybe they won't be so cold. Maybe we can make them heated tunnels so they're mm -hmm. not cold when they're delivering the genius. Yeah, All right? of y'all are geniuses. This is why I kept that voicemail for three years saved on my phone. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Don't let Elon Musk get his hands in it. He will um, do it and pay people zero dollars and be like, it's fun delivering pizza. I don't need to pay you. Um, all right. That is it. Uh, thank you so much, IGD, for have, for coming onto the show. You're very um, welcome. That is the end of Field the News. Thank you so much uh, to Sharia, to Luke S, to Ophiria, to Laurel. This was such a super fun show. 